Welcome. I'm the Parliament Raven. Welcome. Pour yourself a glass of tea. My name's Jason Rodriguez, and I'm the Parliament Raven. Let's have a discussion. Today's episode's called Time After Time. Can God change his mind? Well, let's get into it. You know, I'd like to play some Back to the Future music here, or maybe some Doctor Who timey-wimey stuff, but uh, not in the budget, can't afford it. But I want to make mention, um, because I love uh, talking about time and physics, it's a nerdy thing that I do um, every so often. So, let's bring you into the discussion, because God is a God uh, outside of time at least, or maybe he's inside, or maybe he's both. <laughs> Depends on your thoughts. But I think that he is both. He needs to be both, um, to be omnipresent, to be in all places at once. He needs to be inside time and outside of time. And some of the things I'm going to make reference to um, comes from Dr. Harold Eberle's uh, father-son theology Um and he uh, definitely is an open theist, and there's more to that and, and the meaning of that. But I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm gonna start here. So God exists both inside and outside of time. We just said that, and I want to say um, I'm, I'm gonna start with the premise that God can change His mind. Okay, so God can and will change His mind. If He does not, then prayer has no effect. If God does cannot or chooses not to change his mind, then prayer does not have an effect. And we're going to go over some verses that literally show this uh, in the the word um, because I don't want to seem uh, like I'm just giving um, you illusions, uh, right? I'm not a magician with words or with theology. Uh, so, um, God's nature is unchanging, and whom God is never changes, all right? So his very nature doesn't change it. He is loving. He is kind, right? He is justice. These are things that are are part of his person, just like you could describe one of us. And his is unchanging. He's the base form of everything, the ultimate form of these things, and he exudes it, right, because he is God and the creator. And... Whether you believe like I do or not, these are the foundations of this discussion, okay? So we move forward into that, and I'm, I'm going to read something literally from um, uh, Dr. Eberly's um, Father-Son Theology. Um, Father-Son Theology agrees with the adherent of open theism that God is open for input of people, and therefore some of the future is open. Now that is to say that some of it is already pre-written, predestined. There is an outcome that's already foreseen, but not all of it. It's changeable. The things things are malleable how we get to certain events and certain uh, hallmarks that were are, are written from the foundations of the universe. Um, and I like to describe it as things that are foundation of the universe. So if you, if you read The Lion, Witch, or The Wardrobe or seen the movie, C.S. Lewis has this great stone table, and, and 
Aslan. I, I hope I'm not ruining this for you. I hope you've, <laughs> you've seen it or heard it or read it. But Aslan is sacrificed on this table, and he's this dangerous, loving, fierce uh, representation of uh, of a creator. And he is murdered um, by the villain of the story, which is the, the, the Snow Queen, the White Queen, the White Witch. And at one point, um, he revives. The stone table cracks. And, and he explains it as this. He's like, uh, I was there when the stone table was carved. But if you know the deeper magics, the ones, the foundational magics, you will know that one who is sacrificed and uh, is of innocence would be brought back. And this is what we're talking about. So, like, these things are foundational, deeper in in the heavenly realms than we can truly comprehend because we weren't there, right? So th- there is parts of the future that are there. There's solid points, um, you know, the judgment of, of all of humanity, the the permanence of, of the kingdom of heaven, um, the the restoration of creation. Um, these things are are there at the end of this um, this finite this finite existence that exists in time, right? So we have this realm that exists in time and outside of time, these two realms, and I'm going with that. And um, God's in both of them. He's in both places all at once. I, there's some mysteries I can't explain, all right? So can God change his mind? Absolutely, absolutely. And um, let me give you some examples and then we will go into the thoughts about time and how this occurs. Okay, so we have Abraham bartering <laughs> with God about destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, if I can, uh, or, or is it Sodom? Just Sodom, I think. In, uh, it's in Genesis 18, 32. And the audacity of man and the audacity of, of, of Abraham, and he's... He's before the Lord, and he's like, if I could just find some people, uh, some, uh, will you spare these from destroying it? And the Lord's like, sure. I mean, we're, I'm open to changing my mind, but you have to change my mind, right? You have Moses uh, on Mount Sinai, the people of Israel, freed from, from Egypt's grasp, from Pharaoh's slavery, whining that 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 Moses has been gone for too long, and they get Aaron to <laughs> cast them an idol of gold, and God sees this and He's like, "I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna destroy them all, and we'll just start with you." And Moses goes to bat. Here's mankind going again with the audacity of 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 man uh, going before God, and he goes, "Let's not." And he change and he he pulls God back out of his anger and and, and of course there's consequences there's going to be consequences and of course a, a lot of Israelites die because of this um, because of this stu- stupidity um, this this looking for trading comfort right they're 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 trading their fear for something comfortable uh, great analogy here. Um, trading fear for something comfortable. They fear about about where they're going, how they're going to eat, 
what they're actually, <laughs> who they're actually worshiping. And they're like, give us an idol like, like the Egyptians had so that we're, you know, we're, so we're a little bit more comfortable. We'll trade you, we'll trade you the actual God of the universe for, for a, what turns out to be a golden calf. So the interesting part about this, the, the mystical part I love about this, that story is that they take all these earrings and gold and they throw it into the fire and this calf rises up, <laughs> this, this idol. He doesn't cast it. It casts itself out of this molten gold. And let me tell you, as somebody who likes to, to study forgery uh, in the sense of forging weapons and metal and, and metallurgy <laughs> and casting stuff, that is an incredibly awesome thing to, to just to, to get a visualization of this, this uh, idol pulling itself out of, of this molten gold and, and soliding its form. Um, there's, God listens to the people of Israel. We're, um, we're talking about, um, God giving them a king in response to prayer. People were whining and saying, this is what we want, right? And prayer is the act of talking to God. And at that time, it's Samuel, who's the representative. So he's the middleman and God hears the people through and responds through Samuel, right? His, his, uh, his mouthpiece at the time. And, um, they give him a king. And the ver if you want the verses on Moses, it's Exodus 32, 1 through 29, uh, specifically uh, uh, 32, 14, where God changes his mind and that doesn't destroy them. And it, about listening to his people, First Samuel 8, 1 through 10, I always, always recommend going to the word yourself. Um, there's plenty of translations. I recommend English Standard Version. It's very literal, but uh, you can use paraphrases and BibleGateway.com definitely has them all. So I, if you, if you want to read it in multiple different ways and different wordings of the English language, um, that's where I go. You should uh, try it sometime. It's great. Um, I also use Blue Letter Bible, but that's for uh, parsing ancient language, uh, which is fine. Uh, not what we're doing here. Uh, Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still. <laughs> uh, a man praying for the sun to literally stand still, and it does. We can find missing time uh, in science, which is great. Uh, this is one of the explanations for it. It's in Joshua ten fourteen. Um, God hears him and does and moves and does something. Uh, you have Jonah who uh, preached to Nineveh and they repented and God changed his mind to dis then destroying them instead of destroying them. Uh, and and, the, and he, the whole point of Jonah is Jonah knew that God was acting consistently as someone who is abundant in loving kindness. God knew that. I mean, Jonah knew that God was not going to destroy these people if they repented because God was, uh, God's decision, though mutable, he could change his mind, um, but his nature was immutable. His, his abundant loving kindness was, is never changing, never wavering. And so these people turned and repented. And amazingly enough, God relented and didn't destroy them. Later on, they would not, and they were destroyed. But at the time of Jonah, they did. And Jonah goes and mopes. He does what, what a good uh, <laughs> prophet of the time, uh, who I think is, is somewhat gothic, uh, someone highly intellectual. I think God chooses these people. Uh, and he, uh, very artsy, I think, Jonah was. And he goes and he mopes. He mopes. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Just go read it. I mean, it's fantastic. 
he, you know, a, a bush grows over, gives him shade, and then God sends a worm to eat. I just God God deals with his moping, and it's it's a wonderful look of of a father son relationship between a prophet and and the God Almighty. So we know that God's most emotions and decisions can change. They are mutable. They are changeable. But who he is is not, is not changeable. His abundant loving kindness. And this is amazing, okay? And this is the foundation of what we're going to go to when we talk about time of God living uh, in and out of time and what, well, how does prayer work? And, and I'm going to tell you, this is how, what I came up with. Right, and there's probably plenty of other theologians out there, uh, plenty of other uh, ravens and grows, uh, but this Parliament Raven, this is his take on it. Okay, so the, uh, a lot of people see time as a straight line. Okay, uh, A B C. When I teach history, I have to teach on a timeline. This is where this happened. This is where this happened. This is where this happened. But time is is much more complicated to that. Right. Um, I'm gonna quote a man, Tom Monotok, and he goes, true time moves forward not with the tick of a clock, but with the making of a choice. Until a choice is taken, the future is not determined, right? So the until a choice is made, the future is not determined. So instead, instead of looking at time as a line, I want you to follow me down my, my trail I'm not going to say a rabbit hole because it's not a rabbit hole. It's a trail. And I want you to view time as a tree, a tree of decisions with many, many points because there's many, many people uh, making decisions. And as you pull out and people make more and more decisions, you see interconnected patterns um, that go infinite. Uh, well, at least infinite for me because I I can't comprehend every I think we're at 8.5 billion people making decisions, and each decision's um, impact on another decision, on another decision, and on another decision. So linear timeline is how most people see it, because it's, at least in Western um, society, it's how what we teach. It's what I teach. It's, it's an easier way to grasp moments in time. I... I, I, I I would love to teach nonlinear, but definitely teaching seventh grade nonlinear time thought uh, is definitely, uh, I, I just want them to remember um, where Rome was and when it was, when the Black Plague happened. These are the things I teach, folks. Um, okay, so God is looking at this nonlinear timeline, and he's always at the present. Um, God is always, always in the present, he's always in the past, he's in the future, and he's outside of time. So, but when we look at time, we're in the present uh, moment. So right now, um, as I write, <laughs> as I talk, I'm not writing, uh, we are at the present. Um, so God sees all of this. Thus, foreknowledge of prayer is God's choosing to actively affect these choices through action, right? So all these uh, choices, all these all my choices and all um, of uh, the other choices of, of the Raven Creek members, um, uh, us working together, uh, podcasts, um, people deciding whether or not to start a podcast, right? God sees all these choices, uh, and he sees what, we, what could be, the possibilities. So imagine not only seeing the current moment choices, but every possible choice for each person. 
right? So if you're a tree, you have millions of choices every day. Brush my teeth, not brush my teeth. Wear this, wear not this. Take a shower, not take a shower. Put on deodorant, not put on deodorant. All these minimal choices have an impact on time. You know, who knows, but not putting on deodorant could offend somebody. And that offend somebody could stop you for five minutes here as a discussion. And someone says, you need to wear deodorant. You smell because it's 100 degrees outside and you're sweating and you smell like you've been in a basement. And then you also didn't decide to shower. And you didn't decide to take a shower, so now you smell even twice as bad. And you're being held up by this person who's giving you a lecture on why you should have worn deodorant or maybe even why you should go take a shower. I mean, who knows, right? But that five minutes stops you from making a meeting on time. And that meeting was supposed to be for a job interview. And instead of getting the job, you don't get a job because they don't like people being late. And you are not late, right? And you're not getting the job, right? And you see where I, I, countless, countless other choices being made throughout the day that changes the timeline. Wow. Mind blown. Which is why the doctor says, wimbly, wibbly, timey-wimey, you know, the timeline will fix itself as we go through. <laughs> it's not like a pattern. It's more... Hey, so, ever-growing, ever-changing, decision after decision after decision. So, God intervening, a prayer, is, is getting God to move or intervene on a choice to change the timeline, right? That's why prayer works, you know? Getting the omnipotent one to, to do something, whether it be God moving, moving someone's heart to, to instead of becoming a teacher, becoming a pastor, which, in, which impacts a young man who then um, decides to become a botanist, who then become, ends up going to school and praying to God every day and become George Washington Carver, who discovered peanut butter and linoleum and so many things that if you were to do your research, you discover that he saved a lot of people's lives uh, through some of his agricultural practices. <laughs> uh, so, you have that. Um, I, I like to bring Hezekiah into this too, right? So you have 2 Kings 2, 11, or 1 through 11. You have Isaiah 38, 1 through 22. And Hezekiah, you're going to die. That's the message Hezekiah gets. Hezekiah, you're going to die. And he rolls over in bed, bemoans the Lord. Right, another <laughs> another depressed, whiny moment. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we all get depressed and whiny. But Hezekiah gets depressed and whiny and gets the Lord to get, add 15 years to his life because he prayed. He made a decision and got, and got God to move and act. Right? And that changed the kingdom of Israel. Right? And, and some of this stuff we can look look down and see the changes. Okay, so you have choices that leads to issue um, and, and prayer, and God intercedes, helps guide some choices, and we see change. And then, but of course, you could also go down the path where um, choices lead to issues, um, no prayer happens, and there's no change. <laughs> God doesn't act. God doesn't move. 
because even though he wants, and sometimes he he'll put he'll, he'll impress somebody um, to to move to 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 intercede, um, so that changes can occur. Uh, though God knows everything, the entirety uh, of choices, choice happens as time progresses, right? Um, so no choice is, is written in stone. God, God ultimately knows every choice, and thus, though he and thus he has foreknowledge of every choice. So yes, he knows the future. But since we are given free will, and we are given the ability to pray, future is not written completely in stone. Certain events are, certain events that he planned are, but all, all events, no, right? So this whole thing is destiny is what you make of it, absolutely, right? Because our choices, our impact, uh, not only us, but the rest of the world, we send out ripples with every choice we make. Uh, and who knows where certain people, I look back and I look at the choices I made and I look at the relationships I have and who knows what might have happened to certain people or even myself if I didn't make a certain choice if I didn't go to a certain church or meet a certain person at a certain event that I decided to go to even though I wanted to stay home and mope about myself um, right so certain mopings are assured right the destruction of the temple was assured uh, the crucifixion of Christ uh, was assured the beginning of time <laughs> the the Garden of Eden, the, fir the, the tree, the eating of, of the, tr the fruit of good and evil, um, he, the, and the end, the, the tree of life being um, re replanted on earth, the earth being renewed and, and no longer laboring or moaning. So um, that is, it, it's there. Now, if God didn't know every choice that we could make and, and see every choice as we make it, He'd be without foreknowledge and thus impotent instead of omnipotent, right? And we don't have an impotent God. We have a God that knows everything. And, and in some, um, some religions, you get gods that know nothing, uh, you know? And it's a major difference between um, the Lord and us. And, and you find Jesus using God's uh, omnipotent foreknowledge of knowing where people are. I mean, the woman at the well. How did he know he's gonna? She was gonna be there. He prayed, and and he was told, and there was foreknowledge that she was gonna come at that time, and and he met her there, by himself, away from disciples that might have been accusatory or or tried to, to you know, whisk him away from the Samaritan woman who was going to a well. So, God's character is is immutable. Who he is is not changeable. And I like, uh, I'm using theological words because they're thrown about and you might hear about it in church and you might have heard about it, but it, it, immutable means unchanging, uh, not bendable, right? The inability to be changed, immutable, while his mind and emotions are not. Where do you think we get our emotions? We're modeled after. If we are modeling his image, uh, we see God get uh, upset. Um, we see him mourn. The flood wasn't brought out of anger. He was brought out of disappointment, right? And when he was put into position of being God like the other gods around him, we saw him get angry when people were breaking their word, their covenant. 
you break a covenant, the person who you broke the covenant is going to get pretty angry. And we see the consequences of his anger, uh, whether it be the uh, Israel being taken captive or Jerusalem given over or people dying, um, right? Uh, not knowing how to move the ark. People died for not knowing how to move the ark. So God walks in time and outside of time, existing both simultaneously, right? Uh, better than any... Uh, any doctor um, <laughs> from um, Doctor Who, um, better than Marty McFly and Doc, right? Uh, God exists outside of, of time, seeing all time at once, inside of time, and has the ability to see every every choice in the matter. Now, does that mean there's there's multiple realities in existence um, that's a different discussion different time <laughs> but what I can say is that God in his, in his wisdom and in judgment is here at the present moment um, in and we are in him and through him and we get our very breath from him and if he wasn't we wouldn't be breathing um so the word does back it up, uh, and I bet you, as we go through and learn more about science, science will back it up too, because um, everything in the word, I believe, it, uh, finds, um, uh, it's, it will be proven by science. And, and, and as we go and we start learning, continually learning things, I can point it out in the, <laughs> in the word where I can find verification for this. Um, so... I, I hope you find this as interesting as I did. And I hope that um, you have a different idea, at least a concept of, of time, um, that it's not this linear thing, that there's always the possibility of change, that repentance and prayer has power, has shattering timeline power. It is a superpower um, that we have to afflict change not only in 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 uh, in our own lives but in the very fabric of reality uh, through our our choices and our prayer and our repentance and may that carry you on to on wings like like me to the our next topic our next discussion and until then uh, pour yourself another glass of tea and this raven's going to take flight Thanks.